You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. Again, we want to help everyday Christians to make an impact in your church and in your neighborhood. We want to help you to become a backyard missionary for God. We want to help to inspire and equip you to start outreach communities, to reach people in your town or city. Again, if you hear something that helps you uh, in your journey, we ask that you would spread the love. Um, You can do this by liking and sharing it on your social media. That would be a huge help to us. And also, make sure you uh, get today's uh, show notes um, at thesendmovement.com. Uh, it's really easy. You just put in your email there and uh, you can get today's show notes. And I hope that they are um, helpful and valuable to you. All right. Today we are looking at the last four of our W's walk. But before we jump into that, um, I just want to address a, a question. People have been writing into me and um, I want to try to answer some questions as we go along on this journey together. Someone wrote in and just asked the question, most of my community considers themselves to be well off, living the good life, everything under control. They would be inclined to disbelieve you if you were to tell them or inform them that they were in trouble or needed help. They generally believe themselves to be pretty good people. So teaching salvation to them is really challenging. How do we reach people in our neighborhood if they are? are these type of people. And I just want to first address like to this, this challenge and this question is that we do live in a very wealthy, a very individualistic country. Um, There's a lot of uh, independence, a lot of self-reliance. And so sometimes there, there is a challenge of, of people seeing a reason why they need God in their life. I mean, we have tremendous healthcare compared to other places in the world. Also, we live in a very busy society. Compared to most countries, we have activities usually scheduled all throughout our week, which can be a roadblock to reaching new people for Jesus or reaching unbelievers. But I want to go back to what Jesus says in Luke 10. He says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I think right there, looking at that that Bible verse, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, that indicates not just in, in Jesus's time, but also now is that there are people out there that want to know about God. And I think sometimes the, the enemy, the devil lies to us and we believe that lie that there are, the people are either just too busy or not interested, but Jesus really indicates it, that it's not a harvest issue, that it's actually a worker issue. And so he tells us to get on our knees and pray for the workers, right? For more workers to go out into the harvest field to collect the harvest, right? So we're to be be praying for the harvest and for more people to join in harvesting. And right, we want to bring people into the kingdom of God. We want to um, tell people about Jesus. You know, we want to see people come into the life of his church into relationship with God and with the church. And so he says to look for people of peace. Now, people of peace, these are people who you build a relationship with. They could be friends. They could be anybody in your social network. They could be kind of passing relationships. But we want to see that if people are open to talking about God, these are people 
again, that you have a relationship and people that, you know, that, that are comfortable talking to God to a certain extent. And really, um, there's two types of people in the Bible that, that we discover. There's people with soft hearts and people with hard hearts. People with soft hearts are people who are open, who are teachable, who are moldable. And then there are people who are just really like hard-hearted and nothing seems to get through to them. And so, so Jesus really tells us, one, is to see that the workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful, and then also to look for people of peace. So look for the people who are open. And I think you can really get um, kind of a, uh, a temperature gauge on these people um, just by having conversations with people. After a while, you can tell, like, whether they're going to be open about faith or not. And so... Um, it might take uh, for you to be a little bold about that and to start the conversation about faith. So, yeah, I encourage you to just, you know, tell your God story. Tell a little bit about your testimony with people. Share why God makes a difference in your life with people um, in natural conversations. And really just wait and see um, how that conversation is going to see how open they are and see if they are a person of peace or not before, you know, uh, inviting them into your home or inviting them to church, um, or any kind of worship setting. So we want to look out for people of peace. Also, people are receptive at different life stages and different life events. Statistics show that people are more receptive, like when somebody has a baby, or there's a death in the family, or uh, they've come underneath an illness, or they're maybe just retired, or they're gone off to college for the first time. And so all these different seasons, these, these life events, a people's receptivity to the gospel actually increases. So um, also look for people who, when they go through life events, you know, sometimes it, it takes a lot of prayer and, and a little bit of a waiting game for these people, for, you know, God to soften their hearts to a point where they are receptive to an invitation or to hearing our God story. And so don't get discouraged if you've gone out and you've tried things and it hasn't worked. We just recently had an alpha course. Uh, that's an introductory to the Christian faith. And we did an event um, in the past. We've had Loads of new people that don't know Jesus come along, and for whatever reason, we did it this season, and no one came along. And yes, I was very discouraged. Yes, I thought, oh, no one wants to know about God. I almost listened to the enemy. But the truth is, those people are out there, and our event could have failed for a lot of different reasons other than just people weren't interested. So, you know, I've got to weigh all those things up, but don't get discouraged. Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful continue to pray, continue to seek ways that, to invite people to know about Jesus, invite people into your life and uh, point them to Jesus. All right, well, let's get stuck into today's content uh, for today. Today, again, we're, um, we've been going through the four W's of worship. We're kind of expanding a lot about on that. So I hope you've been enjoying those. We've gone through uh, welcome, word, the big what, and today we're talking about walk. This, again, is, is to give you really a framework for you to creatively plan worship. So imagine each one of these, these W's is like an empty box, right? And you can put different things in each one of these boxes to help you just build worship in your home that is creative and also that fits your context. And the best part about it is that it's really faithful to the ancient way of how Christians first practiced their faith on a big scale of being church. And, and this can work in your home. 
This can work in a coffee shop down the road. Um, you know, you can bring this really anywhere that you meet. And so the last W is walk. We want to be able to send people, I guess in a, in a large church setting, maybe you've had kind of a commissioning or a blessing time. Maybe the pastor reads out a Bible verse and says a prayer. And this might be like the shortest part, but it's also one of the most important part. We are to be a commissioned and sent people. Uh, John 20, 21, Jesus says, so I send you, right? In the same way that I've been sent, so I send you. And so really we're uh, also to, you know, to go and make disciples of all nations. So we're to go into the world to bring about uh, the works of the kingdom. We're supposed to go join God. It's God's mission, but we're supposed to go and join God in his mission to redeem and save the world and point people to Jesus, our Savior. My friend Brian Spar, uh, who, again, is a mentor. I interviewed him, uh, I believe, in the last episode in the podcast. He works at a, a church called, again, Come to Go in Fort Wayne. And if you are in Fort Wayne, I highly encourage you to check out his church. He's a great man of God. But I love the name of this church because it gives his view that we are supposed to be a gathered and scattered people of God, that not only are we gathered in our groups that either meet like midweek and then on a Sunday, but also we go out into the world uh, as individuals, as in twos and threes, um, to our work or um, to our schools or, uh, you know, and, and to our society all over the place, no matter where you are in life, you are going to be in the world and so we're meant to be built up when we are gathered, but God sends us um, again, to to join him in his mission to rescue this world. So it takes boldness. And that's why I love to call it the walk, because we're, we're to walk the talk as a Christian. Um, many people around the world, I think, suffer a lot of persecution for practicing and sharing their faith in Jesus. But in the U.S., I think one of the biggest obstacles is that not that, that we will have physical persecution. We might not be allowed in certain places, right? And so there might be like a lot of restrictions, especially if you're dealing with schools now and, and things like that. It's not the kind of society that like I grew up in. I mean, we had a, kind of a campus life pastor come in all the time and, and talk to the students. But, you know, we live in a uh, really a, a changing world. And but still, the, the worst that, that people are really going to say is, one is, no, you can't come here and do that, or they're going to laugh at you. At least we don't face that, that physical persecution. But it still takes real boldness to live our lives that Jesus has called us to, to love God, to love our neighbor, and to live out the fruits of the Spirit, right? And to share our faith. Not to mention feeding the poor, visiting the prisoner, welcoming the foreigner, and serving the least, the lost, and the last. Jesus commands us to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And this can sound really, really, really overwhelming. It's hard to actually to put into practice, to, to walk the talk of following Jesus. And it can feel overwhelming at times. Now, personally, I love to share about Jesus most of the time. There's sometimes that I just, I love to share about Jesus. I've taken some spiritual gifts surveys and I usually come out as an evangelist, but there are some days in my life where I have opportunities to share about faith and I don't either. Sometimes I just chicken out or other times I might be just too busy. I'm in a hurry or I'm just feeling a little bit down and, and kind of in the dumps. 
Um, other days, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that Jesus is really strong and in me and I can, I can boldly tell people about God, whether they reject me or not. I'm not scared of the, the rejection. And so sometimes I do follow God's commands and other times I don't follow God's commands to really to witness and to point people to Jesus. But when we see uh, in the Bible, uh, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. He gives them the power of the Spirit, right? They don't go and they don't do it on their own. It's by the power of the Spirit that they are able to accomplish the task of the kingdom. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I think is really important here is that that we are to go in the power of the Spirit. And so one of the practical steps that you can really do in, in sending people either on, um, you know, in your small church or your big church is to, to f- have a refilling of the Holy Spirit in your com- in your commissioning, you know, for people to receive it. And it's almost like um, when you have like a, a hard sponge, like a hard dish sponge. Imagine like if you're like, you know, you're doing dishes that you're not using your dishwasher this time, but you're actually, you know, using an old sponge to like, you know, wash your dishes. When you first pick up that sponge, it's so hard and crusty, but when you dunk it in the water, it softens up, it becomes moist. And that that's really what the Holy Spirit does. It's, it's just saturated uh, in that sponge and it's just dripping and you can wring it out and it, you know, it's just dripping with, with water. And it's the same thing that we can have a filling of the Holy Spirit, that we are completely just saturated with the Holy Spirit. And that's really how we can go in power to to really to um, walk our faith every single day, to be on mission every single day. And in Ephesians 5.12, it says, be filled with the Spirit. It's really interesting in Greek, it's in the present continuous um, command. It's a command. So that means it kind of translates to not just be filled with the Holy Spirit, but go on being filled with the Spirit. This doesn't just indicate a one-time filling. See, you are, once you are a Christian, you, you do have the Holy Spirit in you. And, you know, that obviously it connects us with God. And, uh, but there is also an ongoing, um, kind of like a, almost like a topping up that we are to be filled up so that we can be sent out. So I really encourage you, um, you know, one of the last things that you can do as you meet is just have a prayer of, and waiting on the Holy Spirit to empower you as you go into the world. It really makes a huge difference. Even in my own life, like every morning, one of the things that I have really found beneficial is that, you know, if I read the Bible and I pray in the morning, one of the last things I do is just pray, like, God, just refill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that I don't go into this day uh, in my own power, but I go in your power. And I really find that helps me to move from being kind of a, a flaky Christian to somebody who's empowered and being able to be bold. I think another thing that you can do in your small church or in your small group is to read out a Bible verse, you know, read out a commissioning Bible verse to send people, you know, um, Matthew 28, um, John 20, 21, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Numbers 6, 24 to 26 is, is one of my favorite Bible verses. Also, look for prayers that you can pray, and you can either pray spontaneous prayers or you can pray kind of more formal prayers. And if if you really aren't are comfortable with kind of sending people or commissioning people out in a spontaneous prayer, you know, a great book is the Book of Common Prayer. 
and they've got loads of different prayers and uh, Bible verses in there. Um, I've got one sitting on my shelf at home, and sometimes I just use that as uh, either I'll read one out from there, or another great thing is I can use one of their their prayers as a base to form my own prayer. So. Um, you know, that, that people can really be sent in power and, and really think through the words that I want to say um, to really commission people. So, yeah, you can pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read out scripture, say a, a commissioning prayer, but also bless people. Obviously, you, maybe you've heard that terminology in your uh, Sunday worship uh, gatherings is um, now time for the blessing or like a prayer of blessing. And so, you know, you can really just bless people in your groups you know just just pray a simple prayer that that people would be blessed and and just so that they're they're built up and they're encouraged to live their lives following Jesus another thing that's really helpful is reminding people is what is next um, in the schedule right when is the next time the group is going to meet and this is a lot more than just housekeeping or a couple of announcements but it's really to encourage people that even though we're a scattered people, we're going to come back together. We're going to be having a time of encouragement, a time of building up so that you can be sent out again. And so it is helpful to, to, to tell people about how they can connect next, to look forward to connecting in the future. It just really empowers people to say, yeah, I'm a part of this family that's going to continue on meeting. And so it's just that little reminder that, that people are going to be, that people are loved and that we're looking forward to getting together in the future. I think really one of my biggest things that I love about sending is hugging people at the end. And maybe you're not a personal touch people. I don't, I don't know whether you like physical touch or not. Maybe you're not a hugger. I am a huge hugger. And I think one of the things that, that really makes a huge difference in our group that meets in our home on Wednesdays is that we hug every single person. Nobody leaves without getting a hug. Now, I, I can tell you, I guarantee all those people aren't huggers. Uh, they didn't start off that way, but they're all huggers now. And it's really, a, it's a place to, you know, to, to say, you know, like, we love each other, right? We are a, uh, a body. Um, we're a group that comes together in unity around Jesus. And, you know, we're not French. We don't give a little kiss on the cheek or whatever, but you know, I think a hug is really appropriate, and um, it's just a, a way to say that, you know, that we're for you guys. We are, uh, you know, whatever challenges that you're going to be facing at work or in your family lives or whatever the case might be, that we are here for you, we support you, and we love you. We're a family, and we're going to show that we're a family. Families, good families, hug, right? You hug it out, and that's a big thing that we do and that we're really intentional about is that we hug and we make sure that we say goodbye to people. You know, I stand on my porch with the light on um, in the evening and really, you know, we, we sit there and we wave goodbye to every single person that pulls out of our driveway. We just look forward to the next time that we are able to gather to worship Jesus together. So that is all about sending. So sending might be really sound really simple and really um, kind of a quick part of your worship together, but it's also a really important thing. So remember, be filled with the Spirit. Send people in scripture, pray over the group, bless the group, and hug it out at the end. So I'll leave you with our questions that we always say, and that is, what is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? Hope you're able to contextualize some of this material, and hopefully it's beneficial for you and your church.
I'd love to hear any questions that you have. Please email me at John Hunter. That's J-O-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at churchdoctor.org. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church Podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at J-O-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms. 